And you can begin to find the Gospel of Mark. Would you f- begin to find the Gospel of Mark? And as we're concluding today our Mosaic series, I, I want to just do a marketing moment. For next week, uh, we will be starting a new series that I think is going to be exciting and important that I've entitled Inside Out. Inside Out, Living and Walking in the Power of the Inner Man. In Ephesians, now you don't turn there, but in Ephesians 3.16, Paul prays for the Ephesian church that they might be strengthened in might in their inner man. He's praying that God would do something inside of them so significant that later, four, three or four verses later in that same chapter, he's praying that the Lord would do exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ask or think. I don't know about you, I'd like to get in on that, wouldn't you? I'd like to get in on the Lord doing something exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think because I'm telling you right now, I can think pretty wild. And I'd like the Lord to show up and do something that would blow my mind. That's what Paul's saying. I am praying that God blows your mind. Well, how's he going to do that? Well, it starts by understanding how he works in the inner man. And so we're going to be spending at least the month of March. And we may creep into April. I know Easter's in there as well. And so obviously we'll celebrate the resurrection. But uh, we're going we're gonna to believe that God's going to help teach us what it means to walk in the power of the inner man and i want to experience that i want you to experience that and we're going to endeavor to uh, teach you uh, obviously what the scripture says and then make it incredibly practical so that you can say okay i can i can i can lay hold of that and i can do that in my regular everyday life and you'll see the lord make a difference so that's our upcoming series and i believe i also have a slide to show you that our ministry schedule i'm going to be teaching next week and then pastor doug allen will be with us over encounter weekend you're going to love pastor doug i tell you he he if he wasn't a pastor he should have been a stand-up comedian um you're going to laugh and enjoy him and he's just an amazing uh minister so is his wife paula he will be with us uh the bishop will be with us then that third week and then i'll be speaking that uh, last week but that gives you an idea kind of what's coming up through the month all right so we we trust you'll be consistent and faithful all through the month of march now today we're going to wrap up mosaic and i want to just remind you those of you that have not been with us i'm going to take just maybe 60 seconds to two minutes to kind of review what we've been talking about we believe that god has by way of his church a mosaic every city it is god's heart that a mosaic begin to come forth and a mosaic as you can see is a multicolored like piece of glass that's connected together in such a way that if light were to shine through it, it would, it would be this beautiful kaleidoscope of colors. And that's what really God designed for his church, that, that we are a local church, uh, we are legacy, and it's an important church. We have an important part of the community, but we're not the only church, nor are we the only part of the community. So we began to use all these triangles simply as an illustration Uh, to uh, show you that we are one of a part and we need to recognize the whole and we need to be sure that while we understand our commitment to our local church is important, we're also committed to the larger expression of the kingdom that's found in God's church 
And so that has become what we've been teaching on uh, is the mosaic. And I put down here that the bottom line point for us has been, are we really preaching, teaching, walking, demonstrating the kingdom of God? We're not winning people to church. We're winning people to Jesus. We're not just bringing them in the front doors. We're bringing them into the kingdom of God. And these are important concepts that we need to keep in mind. And today, we're going to wrap up some things that really still are within this ballpark, uh, but it is prophetic in nature. And um, I have entitled it, Do You Understand? Do you understand? You say, well, you haven't said anything yet, so how can I tell you if I understand it, Pastor? All right, well, we're going to get there. I want to read some passages out of Mark, and I'm going to confess up front that I like, I like, and 95% of the time I will preach or teach expositionally. In other words, I'll take some scripture and we'll walk through it and kind of unpack it and unfold it. But I, I fully admit and, and plead guilty to the fact this morning that I'm going to teach you topically today, Okay. This is topically, so I'm, it's going to sound like I'm all over the map, and maybe I am, but I feel like God has something he wants to say uh, with regards to that. So Mark's gospel, if you're there, you can open up to Mark chapter 4. There are just a couple verses here that are important because Jesus is underscoring something to his disciples uh, that, are, that is going to be critical with regards to how they receive words from him, and it will be the springboard for what I want to talk to you about this morning. Mark 4, verse 10, we read, But when he, meaning Jesus, was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. Now, he had just spoken a parable that um, they weren't getting a hold of. You've probably been in services where someone's been preaching. Surely not me, but someone's been preaching. And you said, you know what? That sounded real good, but I don't get it. I don't understand what he's saying. Well, that's kind of what was going on here with Jesus. He just told a parable, and they weren't quite getting it. And so they were asking him about it. And he said to them, To you, now he's speaking to the disciples, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Basically what he's saying is is that when, when you're nestled up close to Jesus and revelation comes, you begin to understand. Isn't that true for some of you? Think about your life. Think about how many sermons you listened to before maybe you were born again, and, and all of a sudden the message sounded differently after you were born again than before you were born again. And the reason being is because your heart wasn't regenerated, you hadn't come alive unto him, and everything just seemed hard it didn't seem relevant it didn't seem like it connected with you but then after you began to hear differently and you began to get pieces that's exactly what he's saying here he's saying he's saying i'm going to begin to let you know some mystery here but for those that aren't inside those that are outside it's going to come in parables and they may not get it all he says so that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Do you understand? Now, Jesus reminds us that one of the benefits of walking with him and hearing him is that you'll get certain things before others do. Lots of times the world, as smart as it may be, is still as lost and as blind as a goat in a snowstorm. 
They can have degrees from Harvard, but they don't get it. Isn't that true? A lot of our civic rulers are like that. They've got degrees from Ivy League schools, and they are clueless. And yet, simple people with not much education, but have been made alive by God, seem to have a whole lot more wisdom and insight than some of the smartest people around. And that is what Jesus is beginning to say to his disciples. Now, the word mystery does not mean unsolvable. Mystery does not mean unsolvable, but rather in the Bible it means to be veiled. To be veiled. Unless you have eyes that have been opened and ears that have been unstopped, some things come to you and are veiled. Now, the people of God, the true church, uh, the Holy Spirit has been given to us. If you'll read, especially what Jesus said in John chapters 14 through 16, the Holy Spirit has been given to us as the people of God in order that we might know and we might understand. In other words, the Holy Spirit keeps us in the loop. Can we say amen? Listen, you're not going to get snagged by what happens in the world if you have ears to hear. That's why it's important to stay close to God because you'll be on the inside track as to what's going on. And today I think is one of those days that I need to quote from the book of the Revelation where it says, to he or to him who hath ears, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying uh, to the people of God. And I promise you when I get to the end, if it, if it hasn't made practical sense, I have specifically written in my notes in the conclusion how i'm going to make it practical for you today so i want you to listen if you if you're having a difficult time saying hey help me connect the dots here uh, i'm going to help you connect the dots before we wrap up today in the last probably 10 to 12 days the last few days there have been two notable and significant important events that have taken place in America that has arrested the attention of our nation. The first one has been what I would assume everyone in the room knows about is the Parkland, Florida school shooting. There are not enough words for me to communicate the, the evil and the horror of what took place in Parkland, Florida. For those of you that are connected to social media and probably for those of you that just take a few moments every day to maybe watch cable news you're probably aware that there's a lot of conversation going on in the midst of that tragedy. I'm not here to open up all the cans of the political discourse. I'm going to let them beat each other's brains out over that stuff for a while. All I want to say at this particular point that we send certainly our condolences and our sympathy. I know when you say these words of sympathy, it does not seem very important. It probably even seems trite especially for those who lost loved ones in the midst of such evil and injustice. People are angry. People have every right to be angry. I'd be angry if, if one of my children was shot down after they'd been sent to a public school. I'd be angry. I'd be lashing out. I'd, I'd be frustrated. I'd have feelings of futility. I would try to find someone or something to blame. I mean, you, you can't imagine. It's unnatural for a parent to have to bury their child. It's just unnatural. We, don't, we, we know children will bury parents someday, but it's not natural for us as a parent to have to bury our kids. 
And when we do that, we're upset, we're angry, we're frustrated. And so we find this horrific incident, and it seems to me, this is just my little analysis, and that people are so upset that they're just swinging at anything that moves to blame it, to be mad at it, to be angry at it. Somebody should have done something. And, and at times, even in the midst of my compassion and my sympathy and, and me saying, I'd be, I'd be mad too. We look like, as a culture, blind people taking wild swings at everything imaginable, and yet we can't do anything to solve it. The picture of Parkland, for me, epitomizes last days. We are living in what Paul would write to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said, The Spirit speaketh expressly that in last times they would be exceedingly fierce. That's the word in the Greek. They would be fierce. I think we're living in fierce times. There is a fierceness. I mean, I mean you, can't, you can't go anywhere without thinking is, am, am I safe? Is this going to be okay? Is, is there a nut around? I mean, fierce times. And there seems to be a blindness to the connection of our rejection of God as a culture to the loss of His covering hand of protection. You know, there's always been evil in the world. And honestly, we can, you know, and there's going to be this great debate on guns. And so, again, I'm not opening a can but guns have been around since the Revolutionary War. People could always pick up a gun and walk into a mall or, or, or down a street, and they have, on occasion, done really evil, crazy, unnatural things. And the reason it seems like, for those of us that are getting older, because I grew up in the 60s, you know, that's when I was a little kid. I remember when I was a little kid, my parents used to let me walk a mile to go to the strip mall, you know, to the 5 and 10. I remember when we used to get on our bikes at 8 a.m. in the morning and we go bike riding somewhere all over the place, what seemed to be the county, and your mom and your dad could care less. They wouldn't see you till dinner time. I mean, I lived without cell phones. I mean, I remember even when I first got my driver's license. If I got a flat tire and I was out on some country road, I was on my own. You know, you had to learn to change your tire or do what you had to do, but there was no way to communicate and connect. I mean, you think about the way we lived. I remember where my grandparents lived, the town they lived in, they never locked their doors at their house, and they left, believe it or not, the keys in their automobiles even when they went downtown to the store. Can you imagine doing that today? And yet we're living in a totally different day i mean it's one thing to take your key out of the ignition and to take it with you it's a whole nother thing to wonder if i walk into this mall or to this store am i going to get shot we're living in a whole new day and the question is why does that ever does that ever leap into your mind why is it why is it that it was like that then but now it's like this now i can tell you why I will connect that dot, and I am convinced of it. It is because even as a culture, while we may not have been as a culture 100% born again, as a culture, there was a recognition and an honoring of the place of God within our community and within the civic rituals. 
You went to school and you said the Pledge of Allegiance and you said it under God. I had teachers that I grew up with that prayed in their classrooms in public schools before we got started. We had assemblies where pastors would come and speak to us. You put Ten Commandments in courtrooms and in city halls and nobody seemed to mind. Now everybody minds. I'd say, what you got against, do not murder. I mean, that's what I want to say. What's the big deal? There was a civic honoring. I'm not saying everybody was right. Everybody should, was acting like they're Christians. I'm not saying that. I, I, I understand evil still existed. People still did wrong things. There may have been things that were in the closet or we didn't see. But I'm telling you, there was a civic honoring of God that existed. A public recognition that we were under God. But that has drifted. I'm not going to go through all the ways we appealed God away from the public square. You know all the ways that he's been peeled away. Until finally, now that we've peeled every vestige of remembrance of, of he who we are living under, now that we've peeled all this stuff away, we wonder why his hand of protection is no longer around us or amongst us. I know when I say this, and there'll probably be some smarty that will watch this on our live feed, or maybe there'll be somebody that'll watch it on YouTube that'll send me a note and say, that's what you Christians want. You're just always wanting to jam your religion down everybody's throat. Listen, I'm just wanting to save your kids. I, you, I'm not jamming anything down your throat. You can go live as... as dishonoring and lawless as you want to i'm just trying to connect the dot for you as to why our kids are dying <laughs> but you notice nobody goes to god we all start praying to our all-knowing government and we're going to keep going around this mountain unless awakening comes that's parkland Another significant event. But there was a second event that took place not too many days later. The death of evangelist Billy Graham. Do I even have to explain who Billy Graham is? I mean, Billy Graham is almost a household name. I mean, who hasn't been affected by Billy Graham? My grandmother lived... In, the, in western Kansas, where there was nothing. There was nothing there. She lived in the midst of nothing. A wheat field. Her and my grandpa. And they would have Billy Graham materials on their nightstand. And, and around their bed. They did devotionals with Billy Graham materials. My aunt had been to a Billy Graham crusade. My daughter-in-law's grandparents went to a Billy Graham crusade. And were actually saved at a crusade. In fact... Bethany Baird would not be amongst us unless her grandparents had been to a Billy Graham crusade. My parents, I remember in the car uh, with my parents one time in the 1960s, and they were having a discussion, I remember this vividly, in the car as to whether or not they would attend a Billy Graham crusade that was taking place. Who hasn't here been affected in some form or fashion by Billy Graham? I mean, Billy Graham was a barrier breaker. He filled stadiums with people who wanted to hear the gospel. Is that not just crazy? That in the era he preached that people would fill stadiums. 
He was one of the first to integrate crusades. You may not have heard the story, but he was in the South and he was holding an integrated crusade and the, and the ushers would not take down the ropes that separated the blacks from the whites. And Billy Graham himself came down off the platform and he tore down the ropes and said that my crusades would be integrated. He sent money to bail Martin Luther King Jr. out of jail. He connected denominations together in a way that produced a mission to evangelize to take place. I started thinking about Billy Graham and I thought to himself, even though he wasn't a pastor per se, did he not model in some ways the city church as he would gather people from all fellowships and denominations? His voice was in many ways the voice of God to this nation. His voice was the voice of the Lord which said to us, come to me, repent, there's still yet time I'm wanting to gather a people unto myself. Parkland, Florida shooting. Death of evangelist Billy Graham. Two events seemingly disconnected. But to those who have ears to hear, I'm wondering if perhaps it's not some kind of a sign from God. I found history to be providential. History is easy to look back to. And when you look back at history, it's easier to see how God has had his hand on human history. It's easier to see how God connects the dots on events. I, I often tell people because they never think of this. Do you know that when John F. Kennedy was killed, we would call that a national trauma. The nation was in trauma after its president was assassinated. And it's interesting that during that same period of assassination of John F. Kennedy, it was the same moment that the Beatles landed in New York City and they came into our country and they brought with it what we would eventually know as rock and roll. Isn't it amazing that just like the enemy uses trauma in your life to enter into those open doors in the midst of a trauma to cause upheaval and anarchy, oppression, maybe even possession, as he will do that to an individual he will also do that to a nation. That there have been times in our nation's history where we have experienced national traumas. And if you will study history closely, you will find out that during those times of national trauma, there's an open door that comes open to our spirit. And at that moment, we are either open to the Holy Spirit or we are open to a demonic spirit. 9-11 was one of those moments, if you'll think back, when the towers went down, how many of you realized that, that like for a week everybody was tender towards God because a national trauma had opened the door of our national hearts and God was trying one more time to get through to us and I believe that was a moment that we could have seen an awakening. But what happened after that? It all became about the economy, the stock market. How are we going to protect ourselves? TSA. And the door closed. And instead of God's Spirit coming in and us recognizing that we needed the hand of an Almighty's protection, we decided that we could still handle it best ourselves. It happens like that all through history. And I'm just here to share with you that I believe that when traumas like this take place, they are moments for either revival or for evil. And the question is, as the door is open, which one well, we land in. National traumas can be signs and moments 
of transition. It not only shares that in history, I could prove that in, in numerous ways all through history, but it's that way in the Bible. As you study the Bible, you will see that there were moments of certain national significance that took place and either evil enters in or revival enters in. I'll just, I'm just, I listed some examples. I said Moses dies and when Moses dies, the door is open finally to get into the promised land with a new generation. Elijah is taken away and Elisha comes on the scene. David dies and then the glory of Solomon's temple shows up. We sang about it this morning. Uzziah dies and Isaiah begins to see the glory filling the temple. All through the Old Testament we will see kings that die. Sometimes good kings die and evil kings arise and evil comes into the land. Sometimes evil kings die and revival comes into the land. In fact, it's interesting that when the priest Eli dies, it says that he falls over because he hears that the ark of the Lord has been stolen by the Philistines. And I don't know if he's leaning back on a chair or what he's doing, but the Bible tells us that he falls backwards on his chair and apparently breaks his neck and he dies at that moment. And it is declared at the moment of Eli's death, Ichabod, for the glory has departed. National significant events take place in order to demonstrate that God is wanting to do something. National events can be prophetic statements. And the question is, what might God be saying in these events? What might He want to share with us, those of us that know the mysteries of the kingdom, those of us that have ears to hear, those of us that have eyes to see, those of us that that, that acknowledge the Holy Spirit and His work of revealing and unveiling in our life, what might God be saying in these notable events? Especially when you consider someone of Billy Graham's stature passing shortly after probably the greatest mass shooting that's ever taken place in our nation's history. There's a, there's a TBN video that's out there and uh, you know, again, I'm not necessarily a, a great TBN watcher. Uh, I think it has some great things. I think some things it's not so great. But you know, what what channel doesn't have that on it, right? Um, but there's a there's a prophecy that's out there uh, that takes place between uh, Benny Hinn and Mark Sharona. It's an interesting prophecy that begins to be declared that a company of hidden voices will begin to emerge to help bring the church to her promised glory. And, and then Benny says, and, and the mark or the demarcation moment of that will be at the death of Billy Graham. At that point, Oral Roberts had already passed away. So we know that, we know that Billy's death has been on the hearts and minds of numerous people who have been speaking with regards to him because, because Billy Graham represented really more than just an individual person. Billy Graham represented an era. He, re he represents a time in our nation's religious or spiritual history. It was Kim Clement who mentioned Billy Graham's death as well when he said that there would be specifically a couple of leaders that would break forth. One male, he said, one female to be the national voice of righteousness. Now, I'm not here to tell you that they're right or they're wrong. I'm just simply here to tell you that there have been other people who have marked Billy Graham's passing as an important event in God's timeline 
There was another one that prophesied that upon his death would be unprecedented challenge and adversity for the day of grace and favor would begin to wane. I don't know. Could be right. Could be wrong. I guess all of us will be watching to see what takes place. But I believe that there are five distinct things as I saw those two events so closely related. The Lord spoke to me and I'm just going to share with you what I feel like the Lord's saying in the midst of all of this. And uh, history will speak as to whether people are seeing it rightly or wrongly. But I believe that there are five things that I can underscore that the Lord is wanting to make sure that the church has not only by way of our corporate gatherings, but by way of your individual life. How many of you know that when God begins to speak, the things I'm speaking of, if we would connect the dots, hear me now, will save children in schools. Now, it doesn't get any more real than that, does it? People say, oh, that's just, you're just talking about things that are just ethereal and they have no relevancy. Listen, man, if we don't understand that we... We've got to connect back to God again. I'm telling you, it is open season upon us all. I don't know of any more serious time we're living in than the one we're living in. And it's one that I feel like we're just continuing more and more and more to disconnect ourselves from the reality of spiritual precept. If there was ever a day, I'm telling you, I wish I, wish I could just get maybe two, three minutes and just talk to the nation at once and just say this. If you don't think that now is the time and today is the day to get families back in the house of God, to get lives right with God, to get yourself under the blood, hang on to the cross, be taught by the word of God. If there has ever been a day, this is the day. Do you, Charleston is now on the map for having one of the most significant shootings in American history. And Charleston just goes on its way. How dumb are we? Well, I guess pretty dumb. Now, not you. You're here. Aren't you glad that you're the smart bunch? See, you knew you were smart, didn't you? But I'm telling you, as a culture, we're not real bright currently. I, uh, I was reading a couple different things, and I read uh, an article from Dr. Michael Brown. Uh, Dr. Michael Brown is probably best known as being one of the overseers of the School of Ministry at Brownsville in Florida, especially during the revival years there. And he is considered to be, by almost everybody, an expert in the area of Jewish-Christian connection. And that's not one of my fortes, but he, uh, he is considered an expert in understanding Judaism and how it applies to Christianity and some of the overlap and things that are taking place there. And he wrote and identified, this was interesting to me, that... Billy Graham passed away uh, within 24 hours of the same day that scholars say Moses died. And I thought to myself, that was just interesting to me. Because I thought that if there was ever a national figure that could have analogies toward a Moses-type person, uh, Billy Graham would certainly sort of fulfill that particular connection. And uh, as I read that, I just thought, you know, there's a, there's a prophetic connection here between the passing of Moses and then what took place and the transition that took place. Uh, and I think it has something to say to us today to see this, this incredible, larger-than-life, national, spiritual leader uh, walk off the scene and go to his reward. So I want to share with you these five things that are important, not just for us as a people, but for you as a person. 
All right. So right now, say to yourself, as pastor speaking, I need to connect the dot to my personal life. Amen. I'm going to connect this to my personal life. Number one, a new season is upon us. How many of you will receive that in your personal life? How many of you would like a new season in your personal life? I would. Okay. There's a new season that's upon us. And every new season has its pluses and its minuses. I love summer, but I hate the humidity. Are you following me? I love summer, but there are things about summer that I don't always, I don't like everything about summer. I love, I love summer to be able to go out and let's say play golf. I love, I love summer. I hate mosquitoes, especially Charleston mosquitoes. The national bird of South Carolina, or at least the low country, is the mosquito. I don't like it. But I, so there are things that are good, things that are bad, but a new season is upon us. There are going to be some good things that are coming our way. But I'm going to declare to you there are going to be some challenging things that are going to be coming your way. When Moses died, in Joshua chapter 1, it signified a brand new season. A new season oftentimes equals a promise manifestation. Now that's the good news. If there's a new season, it is highly likely that if we will embrace that, that some of us, and I want to believe that all of us, will be walking into a season where some promises are going to be fulfilled. Can you say amen? Come on, we're still Pentecostals here. I'd love to see a promise come to pass in my life and in your life. And so Moses dies, and it's a new season. They've been wandering in wildernesses. For 40 years, but the new season has arrived, and it's time to be able to cross a Jordan and to get into a new season. Moses led them in the wilderness. God showed up for them in the wilderness. God fed them in the wilderness. God gave them everything they needed in the wilderness. He met their needs, but it was still a wilderness. It wasn't fun. It was a wilderness. And in some ways, Billy Graham has presided over America, and while he was a spiritual giant, we understand that he presided over a time period in America that we have been in a wilderness. As great as his crusades were and all the work and effort that he put forth, we, we are seeing in the last 40, 50 years the decline of our nation. It's been a wilderness for us. The church has been wandering. Things have not been like it was. But upon the death of Moses, a new season begins to approach and we're grateful for Moses we're grateful for a Billy Graham we're grateful for all that these people represent but the fact of the matter is that their death represents that it's time for us to arise to walk into that new season one generation dies another generation moves into the promised land a new season has come upon and here's the question do you recognize that you're on the brink of a new season because if you miss this point, you're going to keep wandering in your old season. So I hope you like whatever season you're in because you're going to keep lapping in that season until you say, you know what, I agree with what pastor is saying and seeing and preaching and sharing from the scripture. It's a new season and it's a new season for me. Are you going to lay hold of it? Or will we sit here like doormats and just go, well, that sounds good, whatever, I'm going to work tomorrow. Are you hearing me? 
Is it going to be the same old, same old for you? Or will you walk out of this place today and say, it is my new season too? Because a sign, I believe, has come to us, declaring to us exactly that. Number two, I believe because the old generals are passing away, that we're on the brink of seeing new generals who will be promoted. What do I mean by generals? I think Billy Graham was a general in the kingdom of God, in the army of God. He was a general. I believe there are numbers of generals I could point out, in my opinion. I, used to, I thought Jerry Falwell was a general. He passed away some time ago now. I thought Oral was a general. I think Pat Robertson has probably been a general. I think there have been people I could list them. You may or may not like them, but I think they've been generals in the kingdom of God. And I think as we're watching all of these generals fade off, I'm asking myself, who are the new generals? Who are the new voices? The church in America tends to gravitate to celebrity worship, even in its spiritual leaders. But it's interesting to me that when Moses dies, there's no body to be found. Have you ever thought about that? Why when Moses died, God did not allow the body to be found? You know why? This is what I have come to the conclusion. Because if the Israelites would have found his body, they would have picked it up, they would have buried it, they would have built a shrine on it, and they probably would have stayed there and worshipped around it. Moses, Moses, Moses. And that's what they would have done. And they would have never moved into their new season. What happened? When Moses died, a general in God's army, what happened? Well, another general had to arise. You know his name. His name is Joshua. God is raising up, I believe, generals. Not just generals, but if there's generals, there has to be colonels. And there has to be captains. And there has to be lieutenants. I don't know whether it's a navy or an army for you guys out there. So whatever insignia is in God's army. There has to be sergeants and corporals and privates. And there's an army that's arising. And how many of you know that everybody in an army is important? You just can't fight an army with generals. And even Joshua knew this. He knew that he couldn't go into this promised land. And, and, and this is the part I'm going to get to probably under another point. But that promise wasn't coming on a silver platter. It was coming under the auspices of war. And it was going to take the whole army in order to move into the promised land. And it's going to take the whole church. It's going to take the whole army. It's going to take all of us. If we're going to get into our promises, we're going to have to somehow encourage one another and ignite one another that all of us together are going to have to roll up our sleeves and we're going to have to press into some things in order to see promise come to pass for one another. Amen. That was really great preaching, Brother Baird. Number three, the gospel now is to be demonstrated in power. Can we agree that Israel would never have been free? They would have never been into the promised land without the power of God. Can we agree on that? I've always wondered what might have been. What might have been if Billy Graham would have just at one crusade stepped across the line? And just prayed briefly for the sick. I'm not saying he had to jump down and go run through the throngs of people yelling, fire, 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 fire. I'm not saying that. But if he would have just stood and just said, let me just pray for the sick. I wonder, I always wonder what would have happened. What might God have done? Maybe that just wasn't him. 
I, I have no way to explain why or why not that may, may have been excluded, but this much I know. It is now time for our cities and our regions and our nation to see the power of God. They have to see the power of God. Moses went in. When Moses went in, he gave them the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord was, let my people go. But Pharaoh never paid attention to it until the power of God showed up. We have to, we have to see the power of God again show up in the church and in our midst. The power of God, just like the early church, the power of God showed up. It showed up to such a degree it would eventually capture the whole Roman Empire. I'm telling you that, that this season we are walking into, there is a, a renewed power that God is wanting to do in all of us. It's not just church services, but he's wanting to renew the power in your life, power to prevail, power to overcome your discouragements, power to overcome your depressions, power to overcome your hopelessness, power to pray for your kids so that they can be healed so you aren't spending incredible amounts of money on doctor's bills. I mean, power, power to get through the open door, power to be able to see favor come to you in wherever you're being employed. Power, power, power. We need the power of God back in our midst. And I believe there's a, there's a seasonal significant change that's coming in. We need the power of God in our nation again. I don't know what we're going to do to stop the unprecedented release of evil in the land. What are we going to do? Are we going to just turn every school into a prison? Are we going to put razor wire up on it? What are we going to do? Are we going to now hire more TSA agents and put them in front of 150,000 public schools? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're just legislate, just go up and just make more laws. Go ahead, go ahead, make more and more and more laws. Is that what we're going to do? Folks, I'm telling you, evil doesn't stop because somebody in Washington cast a vote. I'll tell you what stops evil. It's the power of God. It's when God's hand is upon us. And when we acknowledge Him again, His hand will come back upon us again. And those things which we could have never stopped in the natural, he will stop by his hand. But that's, see, that's the crossroads we're at. These are the signs that are being given. We have an, we have an unprecedented shooting. And one whom most people would call a spiritual giant has passed off the scene. How would you interpret that? I would interpret it as maybe... We better get our act together. Got to hurry. New wineskins for a new season. You know, the people never had to do much under Moses, did they? They just kind of wandered around, and wherever Moses went, they wandered because he had the ability to give them food. He gave them, you know, manna. Well, it's the Lord that gave them the manna, but obviously Moses was the one that conduited that, as well as the, the quail and other things that they were able to eat and receive. But it's interesting that when the season changed from Moses' death now to Joshua's leadership, the people, the new generation, would have to arise and enter into a land and now fight for their promise. They were going to have to do some fighting. And, it's going to, and it was going to be interesting fighting because it wasn't your normal battling, was it? It was like, hey, at this city, march around it quietly six times, and on the seventh time, shout your brains out. I mean, imagine, is that not new? What do you mean I have to shout? Before, all I had to do was just sort of, you know, shuffle along with Moses. Now I got I to walk around 
Yeah, if you want, if you want Jericho, if you want the harvest, and you know why they marched? M- many people don't understand why they marched around the city. It's because they were hungry. And that was the only way they were going to be fed. Because Jericho had already harvested the grain for that season. And for that many people to be fed, they were going to have to see God's hand move for that food to be released to them. And so they did it in this crazy way, and God brought the walls down. It's a new season. We're going to, do, we're going to have to do it. I'm not saying everything's bizarre or it has to be bizarre for it to be God, but we're going to, we're going to have to understand that we're going to have to get back to some new wineskins because God's not going to pour into what has been. He's going to pour into what he is doing. Number five, I just wrote down, there are going to be great confrontations in this new season to civic leaders. Billy Graham was known as a counselor to presidents and civic leaders. Moses was known through his confrontation of Pharaoh. I think the new season are still going to combine some of these qualities. But Joshua had numerous rulers of numerous cities to to confront with the word and the will of the Lord. And, and right now, those who are ruling us in civic positions are not doing what they need to be doing. They're not honoring God. I believe that there's hidden sin in their ranks. I, I believe that a, a, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in if we had godly rulers. Because it will be through godly rulership. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that if the righteous rule, the people rejoice. But if the wicked rule, the people groan. And apart a part of our issues in our nation right now and what we are facing has certainly been the general culture and its disdain for the things of God. And we all share partly in the, in the guilt or, or in the responsibility of that happening. But I'm telling you this, that we have, we have, we have elected and we have put into place people of, of terrible character and they may have said they were Christians, but the fact of the matter is something has happened, that doors have been opened, and we're going to have to get back to the place to understand that, that a lot of our, our public righteousness and demonstrations of that have waned because we've not had people who would step up to the plate in the civic arena and have said, no, we shall honor God. And at this point, I won't call out names, although <laughs> that won't be precluded from something I may do in the future. But I am here to tell you that we're, we're going to have to address that. Be, and you say, well, what does that have? I don't even, I don't, you're kind of talking about politics. I don't like politics. What is, politics has nothing to do with me, nothing to do with you until your kid dies in a public school. Is that what it's going to take for you to see? I'm again, I'm preaching to people way beyond this group. I'm just telling you that there's a signal that God has given us, a sign that he has given us. And I want to end with this. What's it got to do with you and me? I want to ask just a few questions. Are you ready to embrace personally a new season so that you can go on to promise? We're not out of the challenges. The good news is God is coming, I believe, to his people that want him in power, significant signs and wonders. God is coming again. But hear me now, God comes when we need him most and we're going to be living in a challenging, hostile, adverse time period. So I'm like you, I'm groaning over the fact that I have to live in this 
adversity and this hostility. I'm groaning, but at the same time, I'm excited to be able to walk into this season knowing that, that the righteous will not be forsaken and that the, the hand of God will come and I'm going to embrace this new season. God always does his best work in the middle of the most challenging moments because then you know it's God and not you. Number two, are you ready to volunteer for the army? Are you ready to roll your sleeves up? Are, 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 you, are you ready to do what someone in the army does by way of participation and prioritization? Everybody's important. Whether you're an officer, whether you're in the infantry, or whether you're just moving the supply line. How many of you know that the supply line and the supply officer is pretty important when an army's moving? I guarantee you they're important people. Are you ready to volunteer and be in that army? Number three, are you prepared to demonstrate the power that is in you and to you? You say, well, I don't know how to demonstrate. Well, then you need to be here in March because we're going to tell you exactly what's in you that needs to come out of you. Because it's time we started living inside out. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So are you prepared to demonstrate the power of God in your household, in your life, maybe to those around you? Number four, to get your promise, are you willing to be flexible and present to the Lord a flexible wineskin? That you're going to have to respond to him and move with him and be open to the things of his spirit and understand that everything just isn't set a certain way. And, and are you prepared in order to get to your promise to find sort of that divine flexibility? I'm not talking about compromise. I'm talking about a flexibility that comes as you move with the spirit. You know, some people, their schedules, their schedule just isn't going to change. And that's really unfortunate because if, if you're walking with God, he will bomb your schedule sometimes. I'll just leave it at that. And then lastly, what are you doing to not only secure perhaps a secure financial future, but are, are you doing anything to secure your spiritual legacy? It is time, I think, as the church, we asked ourselves this question. What are we doing to make sure that the faith which we hold as important and a priority, what are we doing to make sure we're passing it along to those who will come behind us? What are we doing to make sure they catch it? What are we doing to make sure that the torch is lit for them? What are we doing when we hand off the baton? Will they be prepared? And are we doing all that we can do to make sure they're prepared in order that they can go walk it further. I'm just, these are the, these are the connect points. If you have challenging moments of connecting what pastor's saying to where you're living. And I think if you'll be honest with God, more than anything, he wants to grace you to be able to be successful in all of that. That's what I'm believing. That's what I'm being challenged with. And I believe that we just experienced, the last 10 days, I believe, have been monumentous in America, whether America recognizes it or not. Hopefully, you understand. Would you stand with me?